It's the fourth industrial revolution. We're all going down. So a couple months ago, I started running again. Um, mm -hmm. And I haven't really had any issues since, and I, uh, which is great. No plantar fasciitis or knee problems. But I've been on this cult goal. I want to lose like 20 pounds because I know that I've had high cholesterol just because when I give blood, I log in and look and shows you, uh, you can see your blood cholesterol, but only total cholesterol. But even that it's, it's, it's been very high. So, um, but I finally, um, I haven't had a physical in like years. So I went ahead and scheduled one and, and I went and did my blood work early just cause I wanted to see it. And sure enough, like my cholesterol is really high. I was worried about that. My blood, my, um, what do you call it? Blood sugar would be bad too, mm -hmm. but it actually wasn't bad. It's within the normal range and like the A1Cs where, um, uh, A1C was, and normal, like no indications of diabetes. That's the one thing I'm concerned about just because of hereditary. Mm -hmm. But my cholesterol is really high. And I don't know. I mean, there's, there's medicine for it, but I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to take care of this the au natural way. Because I've always, I've been saying for a while since I've known I've had high cholesterol that if I think if I just lost 20 pounds, I would, it would drop a lot. That's my theory. And I really think it's true. I think in order for me to have like, Healthy cholesterol, like I've got to weigh like 170 pounds, mm -hmm. which, which seems light, but I mean, I tell, I'd totally have 20 pounds I could lose. So, but anyway, so back to running. So I started running a while back, a couple months ago, and I, I got the membership here at the gym so that, because it's just too hot to run outside for those who don't know. Yeah. If you, if you, if you don't live in a part of the United States, that has been over hundred degrees for the past like month <clears> and you're, you're lucky, but we've been, you know, we've been like hovering like 108 to like 111, depending on what part of town you're in. And yeah, it's been hot. Yeah. So outside is just not happening. I mean, I would die within like 10 minutes. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. But I've been running twice a week because um, it's just, I, and I kind of wanted to run more than that, but I just, I, there's no other days. Um, except I'm going to turn Wednesdays into a running day also, which yeah. means that as soon as we're done recording this, I've got to hightail it over to the gym and get a run in. I do like three miles. I, I just put on 5K, which is what, 3.1 miles, something like that. I can get, so I can get a, like a good workout in in like 30 minutes. That's cool. But, but yeah, there's a couple of implications. One is we got to start and end on time if I'm going to get over there in a reasonable time. But also I can't, I can't be doing very much of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, it probably this, works out for me too. I, I got tons of work to get done. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's not like we haven't, it's not like we haven't been busy before. It's just, I don't know. It's just something that. Well, I, I applaud I your have, goals. I gotta have three. I, I applaud and support your goals. Basically, I gotta, I gotta run three days a week. Yeah, I mean, I think I think four would even be better, but I'd have to come up. Tuesday's not happening, and Friday's not happening. Mm. So I leave is the weekend, which I don't have anywhere to run except outside where it's freaking desert. Yeah, the the uh, we'd find you on the side of the <clears> road somewhere. Yeah, it's like Saharan Africa out there. Buzzard circling. Um. I guess I could come, I could come up with the gym's open on like Saturdays. I think this one, mm. so I could come up here then, but I don't know. That's just probably not happening. So I'll go with three and see how that works. I'm already, I'm, I'm losing weight. I'm, I'm about to crack into the one eighties. I noticed that I weighed myself yesterday from a high of like two Oh four. So I've definitely over the past, I don't know how long I've lost some weight, but I got to keep going or else I'm, I'm going, gonna... I'm going the opposite direction. <laughs> I'm in full self-destruct mode I've, right now. I've been, I've, 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 flirted with that several t times on and off over the past um, few years. I'm eating bad, I'm not sleeping, I'm not working out, and I'm working god-awful hours. 
I'm on the road to dying, but it's okay. Well, as long as everyone else gets their money, right? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Um, but a lot of that, it really comes down to your own responsibility. Mm. I know. I mean, if you end up with a really bad health or you die or something, like, you can't be like, oh, it was uh, someone else's fault. I mean, no, no, it's, it's your fault. It's your fault to take care of, It's your responsibility to take care of those things. Yep. That it is. Um, it's just hard sometimes because the the pressures of life often make that difficult. But but no, this so this I bought the, brought this particular beer just because I knew I wanted to have a beer, but I also had to go run after this. And this is a um, this is my latest beer, John. It's called Galactic Hydration. It's um, it's Galaxy Hops. So it's a New England IPA. Does it actually hydrate you? Well, it's only four and a half percent alcohol. Okay. Which could you tell, or did it taste like a normal? I feel like I'd, I've, because you know, I've tried these session beers before to make them like in the four percent range, mm-hmm. and it's just they come out tasting like feeling like water sometimes. It's really hard to get them to not be watery. But I don't know. I feel like this one is like I feel like if I didn't tell you it was under six percent, you wouldn't know. Yeah, no. I mean, I was kind of happy with it. It's a good beer. Yeah, I uh, mashed at a somewhat higher temperature, which get, leaves you. A like a slightly less fermentable word, mm-hmm. so that you you do have more like residual dextrins mm-hmm. and things, which um, which do provide calories, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it it leaves body, so you've got a normal four percent beer. You're not gonna have a lot of body. Yeah. So, but I figure I can have a four percent beer before I run, right? Yeah. I mean, and plus that'll be like an hour and a half from now, so should be fine. But I've also, you know, like I'm trying to like, especially like during the week to just not have more than one beverage, one beverage a day. Just because I need to just keep the calories down and the sugar and all that. Do you think that, um, where, where do you come down on does like dietary fat and like satur- dietary saturated fat, does that actually affect your cholesterol? Because this is very controversial nowadays. I don't think it does, but. I think it's more. I think a lot of the things that used to be blamed on food is turning out to be genetic. As the more research they do, and the more they get into understanding genetics, is that I think that's what they're finding. And I think it was. I don't. I don't know. But I'm not a doctor. Don't. Uh, yeah. Don't, yeah. yeah. We're, just, we're making stuff up. <laughs> These are just my opinions. But I, I think the idea, even back in the day, like when, when we had the food pyramid, you know, mm-hmm. you know, eat all the sugars and grains and all that stuff. You know, uh, it wasn't sugar. Sugar was still bad. It was just they were heavy on the grains. Yeah. But you know, a lot of things that if you they demonized at, fat. But you know, flour. I mean, anything with flour was okay. Breads and all that stuff that was mm-hmm. all in the bottom part of the food pyramid. Yeah, and um, and that was just. I don't want to say it was intellectually lazy because I, I maybe we just didn't know back then. But I mean, there's you know, there's doctors that started talking about this in the, like the seventies and like the eighties, and then Atkins. You know, Atkins was one of the early ones that was just like you know he wrote the book and he's like, hey, and I'm doing these this thing with my patients where I'm just like basically cutting out all their sugars and carbohydrates. And so all they're eating is like steak and bacon and, and, you know, olive oil and stuff. And their cholesterol is dropping big time, mm. which, which again, at the intellectually lazy level or the, maybe you'd call it the intuitive level. It doesn't make any sense. Like you think, Oh, if you keep eating all that saturated fat, you're going to up with a uh, high LDLs. Oh, really? I mean, is, is that how our bodies work? Do we know that? And the answer is, I don't think we did know that, but we just assumed that or, or we looked at the studies we wanted to and kind of ignored the studies we didn't. But, you know, the FDA has completely, and the AHA have completely reversed yeah. in the past two decades. On, on almost everything. everything. Yeah, I mean, 
so and I was just reading these things the other day, and it was it was an it was an article that, but it, you know, referenced just all these studies that show how just how the weak the link is between like dietary saturated fat and cholesterol. Well, we have all these fad diets that kind of prioritize one type of food over others. You know, you have the high fat one, you have the high protein one, you have the low keto, John keto, keto. everything's keto. keto, 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 keto. My, my theory on that is that it's just a testament to how adaptable our bodies are. That over the millennia or thousands of years that we've existed, these are adaptions that our body has created in times of famine. Like yeah. maybe we only could eat. Maybe there's no animals, so we ate a bunch of leaves, and there weren't any leaves, so we ate a bunch of animals. It just shows how adaptive our bodies are. I thought we could live on like crude oil. Or we something. are when you do those diets. My theory is that you're essentially putting your body in a survival mode, and it's just doing what it can to survive in those modes. Yeah, that they're not really telling your body this is what you should eat, and this is how you need to survive, and this is what you were meant to survive on. I think it's just putting your body into a survival mode. Yeah, and it just happens to adapt well enough, and it produces yeah. some some results that you find desirable. Right. And supposedly the only part of our body that has to have sugar is there's a certain part of the brain. I forget which one, which one it is. But in the case that you're like not even getting enough sugar for that, your body can convert protein mm-hmm. into sugar. Uh, neoglucogenesis can convert protein into sugar, the, the glucose that your, your brain needs. Right. So, yeah, it is, it's a pretty amazing machine, isn't it? It is. I just got to give mine a tune-up. <laughs> <laughs> well. Can I just have mine like? Rebuilt from scratch. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> An overhaul or something. A complete overhaul. Yeah. Just gut it, gut it and remodel it. Well, it's been two weeks, so... It's your fault. Let's catch up. It is... What, what probably was my fault, right? Well, where, where was I? Was I traveling or... You said you were traveling. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was back in Colorado last week. I just see, can't seem to stay away from that state. But, um, yeah, so what's been happening? What's new? What's on your mind? Uh, you seem a little worn out. I'm worn out. Yeah. yeah. Well, last time we recorded, you were uh, you were in a good place. You're like you just got a good night of sleep the night before. I know. I... <laughs> it was short lived. Yeah. <laughs> it was end of quarter. I met my I met my numbers and everything, and I felt like a, a bit of a sense of relief. But now I'm just back into the grind, just pure grind mode. And it's a combination of things. Um, one of them, one of them that's kind of really getting to me is bugs. Is dealing with bugs. Your bugs, a, other people's bugs, other. All, all bugs, my bugs, other people's bugs. But your, is your it bugs really are, your bugs are okay though? It's other people's bugs that really piss you off, right? I say you. I'm well, kind of because because it starts out as being my bug, and then I realize, oh, it's not my bug; it's yeah, their bug. Right. And now I have to prove it's their bug, and then I have to document that it's their bug, and then I get I get feedback that says, "Hey, eh, you're an idiot. You just didn't do this right." You're not by chance talking about Salesforce, are you? <laughs> no, I, I do want to talk about that because there, there was Salesforce a situation. Salesforce only up. does one thing, which is CRM. Wait, I gotta start doing clips more, man. Or yeah, just the soundboard. Oh, oh. Maybe all your running will liven uh, you up a bit more. I got. I got. Yeah, it might actually. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should run before the show, and then you'll have the energy to. The problem is, I would stink you out of this office, probably. <laughs> because let me tell you, when this fat guy runs three miles, it is like a sweat hog that roll, you know, rolling off that. Oh trend. my god! It's not a not a good sight. How, how do I smell. make that a title? <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know how to turn that into a title. <laughs> Uh, how about this fat guy? <laughs> um, no, but so last week I had I had some Salesforce issues and it, it really ruined my Friday. I was I was really pissed off. But it was actually a combination of things that you know that was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Is like on its own, it wouldn't have it shouldn't have pissed me off. It should it I sh- it should have just rolled off me. But everything else was compounded up to that up to that point because I was dealing with 
learning some new stuff on Lightning, which wasn't working the way I expected it to, par for the course. I was getting pissed off because the documentation was so light, and I had to go to like 10 different places just to find crap. Documentation, like, one thing that was pissing me off is, is I couldn't figure out what the right value was for, um, like, sharing privacy and sharing option oh. on a file. Because it's, like it's, it's like a string. like a No, it's, right? like, it's a character. Oh, and okay. it's like yeah. if it's if it's like visible or something, it's like N. Yeah, it's like what? I know. If it's private, then it's P. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> but it's nowhere to be documented. I I I eventually just kind of queried what was in the system after creating a record and seeing what what it put there and used that. But that wasn't that didn't satisfy me. I was like, I really want to know what values are value are supposed to be put here. Right. Nowhere in the documentation does yeah. tell you what those values I are. Run across those things. It's just, but it's things like that. That's just one one example. I had plenty of other cases where I had to go from one documentation because it's the newer documentation didn't have it or it didn't have the right details or the newer documentation had more details and the older documentation didn't have enough details. The documentation at Salesforce right now is horrible. But there's there's, there's too much of it and it's all in various states of being up to date or what's what's the right it's, it's in various states of of datedness. I don't know. Yeah, you know that's the thing. You know, some people talk about how oh my god, Salesforce has amazing documentation. It's so great. <clears throat> And some of the documentation is great. I mean, and, and I would say overall, I mean, um, yeah, I think their documentation, considering that how many clouds they have now, yeah, um, their documentation is actually, for the most part, is pretty consistent. Um, well, know, I wouldn't say that. Not not anymore. I'm, I'm trying it, to I'm trying to put enough qualifiers in here that you'll you can agree with me. For the most part, it's pretty <laughs> consistent. Um, a lot of it's good, but the problem is there are gaps. And there are issues, and it just it seems like those are the things that always get you. Well, there so, are gaps, and they're also implementing new documentation sites and tools. And so these tools are kind of in their beta phases, maybe alpha phases, who knows. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't know where to go for official documentation because some you know of the data is <laughs> here and some of the data is there. So this is, this is how, you know, Salesforce has made it into the big leagues is that – the way I find documentation now is, um, let's say I want to know, oh, I don't know, um, I want to see the, like the full documentation for content document <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a segue. Um, I'll just Google SOAP API content document. And sure, because in the SOAP API, is actually the best documentation for like all the mm-hmm. things, yeah, I guess objects or whatever they call them, yeah. the API standard objects. And it goes right to the documentation. I used to be the guy that every release I'd go and download like every all the documentation PDFs, and I keep them organized in a folder in my heart. And I just gave up on that a couple of years ago, and I just let's yeah. Google it now, and it comes right up. So that's how you know Salesforce is. Uh, yeah, the the, dec- the documentation tool on their website is is much better. I don't ever go to that. Well, I do. The thing where you, yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like it. Well, it's better than than some things, but I do like it that I, that I can switch the versions on the documentation. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll get a link to documentation. But if you're having to do that, you know you you know you're in a bad place. <laughs> no, it's just because I rely on Google for it, and Google will cache like the older version of it. Oh, but you have to like be conscious enough to to go and change the version number so that you're on the most current one. I don't think I ever think to look at that. I maybe I should start doing yeah. that. Um, Squid Squid does the same thing, but they tell you on a warning. They go, "Hey, you're not in the latest version. I want you to change your version <laughs> when you go to their documentation." But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when it comes to like some of these this. The issue that I had was um, we had some issues with the roll-up system in in um, the native one. In well, no, okay. I got I got I really got to qualify this because okay. it threw a few people off too when I ranted about it. So, financial services cloud, 
is a managed package. It's a application built by Salesforce, but they released it as a managed package, and it has its own roll-up system for financial accounts. Well, why would they do their own when Salesforce has one built in, John? <laughs> I don't know. Would you, would you care to no, opine on that topic? You have to run. We have to, we have to keep it clean. Not, not too many segues, okay. but um, so I won't get into that. But anyways, it wasn't working as expected. There were a few things that happened to us, and we don't have any good documentation to go back to Salesforce and say, hey, you broke something on some things. Like, for instance, the rollups were working, and then they stopped working. It turns out, I think with one of their releases, it, def it changed one of the default values that normally has it enabled to off. So it basically, a release kind of turned off a bunch of stuff. Mm. Um, we didn't really have a good way to... It, we're busy, guys. We didn't have a way to kind of go and say, hey, Salesforce, you broke something. We just rolled with it and turned it back on, that type of situation. But anyways, once, once it was, we're having all these issues with our triggers trying to run, with our bulk data loads trying to run on these objects, because there were just all these issues. And, you know, of course, we, we retooled our system trying to make it as, as efficient as possible. We turned our stuff off. We tried to run our stuff in different contexts, like maybe we, I, I tried to run it in a cubicle, and then I tried to run it in a batch. All those failed because of the way the rollup jobs were implemented. And so I was like, okay, well, obviously they consider the rollup jobs to be a pretty heavy operation. We shouldn't be doing a bunch of stuff, so maybe I can turn them off and run them automated. Well, there's no way to do that. And so we started reaching out to support to try to get support for, to, to help us figure out how to automate turning off and on their rollup jobs. There was nothing in the documentation. And so we went back and forth. We had the AE, we had the success manager, and they were really great guys. They helped us out and listen to us and we like, they, they asked like us the financial services success manager there's, there's i guess is that a thing i okay. guess but either way it was the client it's a pretty big client and so they they we actually got the client to go and tell them hey this is an issue for us and we can't go live because of this otherwise no one was going to do anything right but anyways once we finally got some ears listening to us we spelled it all out we produced a bunch of documentation on what the issues were and what we thought the workarounds we tried we pointed to a known issue on the topic and everything and then come um, I produced an extra document that outlined everything that we talked about over the phone because uh, they asked for it. Um, and so I did that too. And then we sent that to them and a few days later, we get a response and that would be Friday. And for background, the documentation for the latest version of Salesforce, which is version 43, didn't come out until like, the known issue didn't get resolved until like Monday of last week, okay. even though the release happened like, what, a week or so before that? Okay. So anyways, whatever they did, they, they marked it as resolved, but it didn't show up in that known issue. So even while we were working with Salesforce, that known issue was still unresolved. And Salesforce saying, uh, it's, it says it's in review. That, that means like it, we might not have a fix for this until a month, a, six months, a year. We don't know. Never. Um, <laughs> So I was a little shocked by the response because the response came from, I guess, the product team. I guess they finally pushed us over to the product team. The product team said, basically looked at all the things that I said was not something we could do. And they said, have them read the documentation. This is inconsistent with our documentation. You can do this. And I looked at it. And because you can change the version of the documentation, because I know three of us on the team combed the documentation, trying to make sure we didn't miss something. Mm -hmm. This information was not in there. And we go, and sure enough, it's there. They provided us links and the information on how to work around this problem, which is, they punted. I, I documented in my document a possible undocumented workaround mm -hmm. on running their batch jobs that they use. You documented an undocumented workaround, which would have made it a documented workaround, right? <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Essentially, I, I looked at what they were doing whenever they, they, because they have a run the jobs manually button, but they don't have an automated way to do that. 
But of course, I can see what jobs are being called. I can inspect certain things. Even though it's a managed package, I can get to a certain point and infer kind of how to use those things. And so I document. I said, here's one way I think we can do this, but it's not documented, which means I can't really implement this because you guys could change it and I'd be screwed and the client would be mad. So I need a, a, an official approved way of turning off the jobs and re-enabling or running these in an automated fashion. And that's what they came back because the new documentation outlined how to do that, basically what I proposed. So it was really just the same thing, which means that I don't think they read all, the, all my documentation. They just kind of looked at it and said, eh, this is an old issue. It's, it's done. It's fixed. But it was the way they responded to me that kind of got to me. I was already tired. I was already having to... We spent months on this issue. Don't documenting they know who you are? Reading. Co-host of the Good Day Sir show? Come on. <laughs> you can't uh, give someone a perfunctory response. Yeah. <laughs> I want a special treatment. <laughs> if someone, such, I want someone to fly out here and take me out to dinner and explain to me why I didn't get the documentation I wanted. <laughs> it's such a long story just to say that they, their response just pissed me off. Yeah. Well... When you're, you were already in a mood, I'm sure I would have been. Well, yeah, because I was having issues with Squid earlier. I tried use, I've been using some of their new event system stuff, and it has a ton of bugs when it comes to context. Like if you try to run actions and you try to hand it over across an event, it, it loses context and it breaks things and things don't work the way they're supposed to, even though I try to reset context and it just doesn't work. And somewhere I'm like, all right, I spent a ton of time documenting that Salesforce issue. I'm still working through you these build that too, John? lightning issues. Nobody. <laughs> And then, and then I got to now document some so squid comes, bugs. So, so that I comes can out get, of your pocket. <laughs> and then I got to try to document some squid bugs so I can send that over to them so that hopefully they can fix it. And I'm just like, man, trying to be a good, responsible member of the community as a developer is tough. When you have like all these systems and you're trying to work with it and figure out is it a bug and you want to be responsible and report the bugs so that they can fix it and they can have a chance to, to fix it and make it better. It's just, it's tough. Yeah. But anyways, I, I was already drained. By the time that happened, it just it ruined my Friday, and I got pissed. But thank you to the to the Good Day Sir community who rallied around me and listened to me rant and mm. gave me gave me some um uh, some encouragement that made me feel a little bit better. So what do, what do you mean rallied? Where did this happen? Where uh, I I did a rant on the Slack community, and you know some people some people um related to me, and some other people kind of helped me in more ways yeah, than well, I can mention. That's that's what the Slack. Community is our Slack community is for John. For people who don't know about the Slack community or would like to check it out, and because maybe they need help, maybe they uh, need just moral support, or they've got a technical problem or something, or they just want to like lurk and like see I what this is all about. Well, how do they get into this thing, John? Because I know it's probably an exclusive club that it's got, um, you know, a private. It's probably some hidden URL, and you've got to like apply to the Sysop right with some. You got to have some secret. Code. Well, there's a test. You have to. How do you, you take a test? Okay. Yeah. Or you have to know the secret passcode or something. Yeah. Or no, not what, at all. Well, how do you how do you get into this thing? You go to our website www.gooddayserpodcast.com forward slash community, or just go to our website, click on the link community, enter your email address. That goes to me. I do add everyone manually, so be patient with me. But yeah, that's all you have to do, and you get in. So I'm. <clears throat> so I've by been, the way, before you continue, I okay. love how you turned my pain into a commercial. No, oh, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, you know, I've been uh, not doing a lot of Salesforce work. I've just been enjoying, I don't know, you know, AWS and Postgres. Shut and, up, I hate you right now. And Docker. And, Actually, I've been doing Docker. View. Have you been doing Docker? Um, I'm trying to replicate <laughs> you your... doing Docker? I'm trying to replicate your SQL Server in a Docker instance, which oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. But now I'm having Looks issues... Great, actually. Now I'm, I'm having issues connecting outside of the Docker to my SQL instance. 
I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. There's some kind of, it's giving me some error on a, like a MS-17 lib that's not there. I think it has to do with the path. Like, because if I go to that directory and then run the SQL command, it seems to work. Hmm. But it, it doesn't. Now, if I'm in the Docker container, like I'm in Docker and I run my commands from inside Docker, my SQL commands, it works. But if I try to do that outside, I can't seem to get outside in. That's weird. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I just downloaded the, the Docker container from Microsoft, the image. Yeah, I do too. Um, and just ran that, and then I used an, I'm, I use IntelliJ as my because its data tools are pretty freaking great. And I just um, I used I just created a connection to the database in IntelliJ. I, mm-hmm. I think I yeah because I I mean the Docker container has like an IP address right I think or something I can't remember. It's been so long since I've hooked it up I can't remember. <clears throat> but they I, have, I think that's my issue. It, it could be the, my. I'm the, using the default like bridge um, bridge networking or whatever the default is. I can't remember. Um, but it, yeah, it's just it's great. I'm, I'm like, wow! I can't believe Microsoft provided me for free a Docker container so that I can run Microsoft SQL Server, which is this powerful enterprise database server, on my compu- on my Mac for free with nothing to them. Yeah, again, this this it's a different world nowadays, isn't it? It is. So I'm I'm doing that. That's yeah. that's my my one thing. My one non well, yeah, my non Salesforce thing <laughs> I'm doing right now. But I, you know, occasionally I I have clients that I've built stuff before or whatever that need an, an enhancement or some kind of fix or something, and so I uh, I jumped back into the Salesforce world. And uh, what did I have to do? Oh, they have hit their they hit a couple of limits actually. They hit both the data storage limit and the file storage limit. So for the data storage limit, they just broke down and. But more. Oh my God! It's just what is it? Fifteen hundred dollars for five hundred gigs. Fifteen. You're not paying for the bits. You're paying for the for the uh, services. <laughs> this is a company. They have like thirty licenses, and they pay Salesforce over two hundred thousand dollars a year. And I'm just like, how, how do you? How does this work? It's like six grand a person a year. It's uh, when you add it all up. I mean, if you get nickel and dime to death, that's pretty cheap for Einstein. Maybe it is. I mean, I don't know. Again, I mean, imagine if Einstein <clears throat> existed or existed. If he was alive, what would his salary be? 300 a year, 400 a year. I mean, he's one of the smartest guys that ever... Yeah, if you're talking a million, yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's the guy that's smart. You can't get him for 300 grand if that's what you mean. I'm just saying. Yeah. Now you've got this software that's as smart as Einstein, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you're only paying 200 so a year smart. for it. That's a bargain. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so they, they, they went ahead and bought more... And they bought, I think, several gigs. So, or I'm sorry, several terabyte, I guess what it would be. Yeah. Oh, they bought a terabyte of no, Salesforce I, I, what, storage? What is, the, what is the increment that you can buy at a time? Is it a gig? Oh, it's a gig. What am I thinking? Is it 500 meg? Oh my God, it's $1,500 for 500 meg, isn't it? Probably. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, I don't that, know. That's so ridiculous. Terab- I would love to no. know if anyone has a terabyte no, no, that of would, Salesforce storage. My God, that would, that'd take my lifetime salary summed up and <laughs> handed to Mark Benioff directly. That's the only way I could get 500 gig. Um, so they, they bought data storage, but for file storage, they thought, you know what? We, they had, I think they were using 350 gig of file storage. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we have just so many old files that can just be trash, basically. So like they were basically like, yeah, just trash everything that's older than like three years or something like that. And so I, you know, I'm like, oh, that's no problem. I mean, I literally can write like a batch job that just queries content document and just you know deletes things in a batch or or export it with a data loader or whatever and load mm-hmm. it back in as a delete. Or so you thought. Yeah, so I thought. I mean, it's a freaking database. I can query the. Content doc. I'm an administrator, right? Query all the content documents, right? You would right? think, right? Yeah, you would no, think. Wrong. Where's my buzzer, John? Buzzer. You need the. You can't do this. Oh, I need. A, I need a lot of things. There's so many things I need right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's not happening. Where's my, uh, yeah, here we go. You can't do this with Salesforce. Even as an administrator, and you do select ID from content document, you only get the things that like either you created or are in your content, like a personal content library or something like that. It's the pers- It's the stuff that's in people's personal content library that, yeah. that's the issue. Right. Like if it's related to records and things like that, you should still get those. It's the library documents that, that are harder to get to. Right. So 99% of the files I couldn't get to. Yeah. As a system administrator. There's literally no way to do anything with them. Other than, I guess, log in as every user. Yeah. That's an option. That's an option. Um, which I thought of. And you came up with a good idea. Right, which was, which was, you could write a test, yeah, an apex test, with the see all data true or whatever, yeah, and log in as do a run as each user, and just get a list of their content document IDs. Yep, and I, I have to give credit now. Who was it? um, Someone else had a great idea. Yep, that was the best idea. It was. It was great. Uh, Who was it? Ah, Anthony. Anthony Heber, Heber, I'm not sure how you say it. How did he get that idea to you? I don't know. This is great. Do a, No, I mean, how did he get that idea to you? Oh, that was in our Slack community. <laughs> Again, I mean, super useful. I, I, it, it amazes me that uh, there are people who are still not in this community. But that's okay. It's, it's the right people, John. <laughs> it's, it's a self-selecting crowd. I can tell you that. But no, he says, um, I've in the past performed an org export that will have all the data in it. I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? You can just yeah. do an org export, and of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have all those. Well, as much data as they have, it's going to take a week, but no. Kidding. That's How true. long did it take? Well, what I could do, I think what I could do is say, because can't you pick which objects, or can you not? I don't know. I, it's been a while I, since I know I've you, gone I, through that I think UI. you can select objects, but I don't know if it's... But you can definitely say, don't actually give me the binaries. I don't want the right. files. But I think you would still get the content document records. You hope. Yeah. So is that, is that what you're going to try? Well, I was able to, what did I do? I, one thing that Salesforce will show you if you go into storage usage is by user mm-hmm. sorted who's using the most files. And I just went in, I logged in as like the top three or four users and was able to, to delete enough at doing that to get them under a 100% usage. Okay. So that was the short-term thing because their org was just shut, it was shut off. And they run their business on Salesforce. I mean, why? This is amazing. People run their business on Salesforce. As in, if Salesforce stops working, they are losing, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars a day. That's any software, though. Yeah, but this is, but, you know, Salesforce is trying to convince us that, oh, just run everything on our platform. It's the last platform you'll ever need and run it in the cloud, you know, over the internet and all that stuff. And, and we've, we've all, I mean, you and I are, you know, we're early adopters at this. We, we, I bought into it a long time ago. Yeah, it's like, this is the future, man. You know, you don't want to be racking and stacking your own computers and running your SAP bullcrap on your premises. You know, that's, that's not the future. I mean, that's not the way to go. Like, you know, do your research, figure out how to trust. Was that part what, of the third industrial revolution? No. But, you know, the fact that, you know, that they still, there's really basically no SLAs unless you're some giant customer. It was just insane. I mean, like Google, Google Cloud had an issue where they, something with their load balancers or something, but some people had, you know, a significant amount of downtime for like, uh, I don't remember, a couple hours or something. And in their note, they're like, yeah, yeah I mean, everyone's got an SLA and we're going to be refunding and all this stuff. It's like, you know, they're, 
Salesforce has got to be the only one that there's no SLAs. And then stuff like this, where they'll just like shut your org off because you hit some limit and you didn't realize it. And, then, it's like, those... and then the problem is, is I can't get myself under the limit because you won't let me query the content document ID so I can actually delete them. This is, it's, that's the kind of thing that makes you want to burn something to the ground. Yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with content right now, too. It's a pain in the ass. What are you doing with it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to create private records for both internal and external users. Oh, and yeah. It's turning out to yeah. be a huge pain. <clears throat> yeah. And I have a client who doesn't test, so they call me up on Sunday night, and I work until 3 a.m. Because they're supposed to have a demo on Monday. And they have a release date for next week. So let's just, let's talk generically. <laughs> Because I, I think we all deal with this where, you know, they're like, oh, oh, you, you think you can have that done by Friday? Okay, yeah, let's schedule a demo for Monday morning. Uh, no. What you can schedule for Monday morning is you planning on starting your validation testing. Because mm -hmm. I can test as much as I want, and I, I try to do a good job. You're assuming the client gave us no, notice. I'm, I'm just speaking generically now because I don't okay. want to protect the, the guilty. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... We, you know, we can do all our unit tests and our integration tests and everything else, but we're creating tests for, and it's, it's the, it's the, we, we all have a psychological blind spot. I mean, we know how we think it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And even if we try to create tests that test all, you know, diff, alternate input and incorrect input, we can do all that too, but we're still like, we're still not going to exercise paths that someone else is who really doesn't understand the system like we do. And that's going to find bugs. Yeah. It, almost every time it will. And so if I say something, if I think I can be done with something Friday, then don't schedule a demo for Monday or don't launch it on Monday. That's when you start like validation testing. I mean, this is like, mm -hmm. this is like pre-alpha software. This is not beta. This is not alpha. This is like pre-alpha. Yeah. And people have got to, I mean, if they're going to contract software development projects, they need to start treating them like software development projects and have some kind of discipline and just maturity about this. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that, that's... And, I, and you're not the only person who I've given this talk to. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and I, I, you know, I get sucked into these things too, sucked into agreeing to things I shouldn't agree to. And like, it's just, but I, you know, I don't know, the older I get, the more I'm just like, I've seen it. I've just seen this, these things happen. I know how this stuff works. Yeah. And let me tell you, let me help you stay out of trouble, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client. And if we communicate about this, and if we, have, if we can come up with a good plan together, then we will all stay out of trouble. We will all set expectations accordingly. But, you know, and the other problem is there's always someone, some jackass who's like, oh, I can do it in less time than that and have you ready and blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, now my rate's, you know, 75% less. Okay, you go with that. Good mm -hmm. luck. I've seen that too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know. I, th I think my client doesn't know how good they have it. <laughs> Well, they just, they, you know, we, they're, we keep, not, they're pulling, not, we keep pulling it out of our ass for them. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing. You, but you know, you, 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 you go above and beyond and you make things happen despite the situation. And I feel like all I'm doing is, is creating a spoiled brat, you know? Well, if they're not, if the client is not being, if they're not learning along the way, if you guys aren't helping them learn about how to run a software project, then. The only way to, then yeah, at this you point, are creating a spoiled. At brand. this point, the only way for them to learn would be for it to fail because they've already made and committed these dates long ago and sent out emails without consulting us. I understand. I understand that, but but you, that's an opportunity to say, hey, you know, like let's let's talk about what happened here. You know, we um, you know, you set a day for the demo. It was right after we 
just got like a what we thought was a working kind of build to you or whatever um let's talk about how we can have a more predictable and a reliable plan here yeah for going forward we've done that yeah they, okay well, they that's ignored good. it and did what they wanted anyways yeah i mean at some point i guess you can't <laughs> control what they're scheduling on their side but I, all you can do is be clear about when you agree to a date for something or or even like you estimate a date like it, you can still be clear about what that is and come up with good terminology for these things. That's like, it's like, you know, we will, we can get you a, a pre alpha build on this date. Like, I mean, that's a scary term. Like anyone who hears pre alpha, if they know anything about software, and if they don't like, let me tell you what that means. They don't. That's what I'm saying. Let me tell you what that means. That, and and uh, so we've tried, but, but going and they, forward, but we go, tried and they get know. confused and they go, uh, uh, they throw their hands up. And I, they're not that dumb. Yes, they are. No, they're not. I know yes, this they guy. are they're not that dumb. No, he isn't, but the rest are. <laughs> And he's not helping us fight those battles. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm not, let's, let's, let's stop talking about this one because okay. I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> this is, this is, this, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And we've tried. Right. But it's not working for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not working. Some, some, some things just aren't working. And it's hard. That's, that's why I think I've said this before, but I feel like some of the, the, Maybe the most important, but certainly one of the hardest parts of my job is just like educating and communicating. Yeah. Because sometimes you communicate. You communicate a lot on these projects. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot. You have all kinds of meetings and you, you build requirements and you do demos and all this kind of stuff. But what people, you, what you don't realize until later at some point is like, oh my God, we thought we were communicating. We really weren't communicating. I mean, we were, but like not very well. We were talking yeah. past each other. We didn't, they didn't know what we meant when we said this. And we didn't know what they meant when they said that. Yeah. And the only way to get really to truly get through those things is is actually you know t w getting working software in your hand and using it. And then that's when you figure out okay, what did we communicate correctly on and what did we not com communicate correctly on? You know, what do we think was working? What is actually working? Yeah. Because they're I mean, so, again, um, <laughs> software is hard. Turns out software is hard. <laughs> Well, with Salesforce, they had, a, they had a, some big fail the other day. I'm like, you know, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Software's hard. I, I try to give, as a software engineer, I can, I can have sympathy for, for other software It's not engineers. hard for AI, man. Those suckers got it down. For they're AI? Gonna, yeah, they're going to they're gonna take oh, all our jobs, right. remember? Right, yeah. Did you hear the song that, like, uh, some, they, who was it that had their AI create a, a pop song? They had it listen to, like, all the pop songs, and then they had it create a pop song? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear the song? No. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Was it? Yeah. I can't remember who did that. I don't know if it was Google or I can't remember. Anyway. Very interesting. Well, let's see. What, what's been in the news? Uh, Salesforce acquires marketing intelligence company. I love this name. Datarama. <laughs> Sounds like a bowling alley. <laughs> oh, you know what? I've got, a, I've got a, uh, a good drop for them. Let's see if I can find the right one. Datarama, where we do marketing intelligence. <laughs> a little bit too much of a delay there. That's my, that's my lovely Mac computer with its delay. Anyway. Your lovely one-year-old <laughs> MacBook Pro? Yeah. It's, it, no, what it is, I, I'm using to, some, to play these because I can find them faster. I, I use just the Quick View and Finder, and that thing always has. It must just have a wait state. Like It's got like a sleep 1,000 anytime you <laughs> hit the space bar to bring something up. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, so what is Datarama? It's AI-powered marketing intelligence. Uh, they're an Israeli company, which is interesting. All these, all these uh, smart Israeli companies, little startups. 
Um, they, they are, what are they? Offering an intel artificial intelligence service to marketers that will be integrated into the Salesforce marketing cloud. The quote from, you know, Bob, this guy, Bob Stutz, or Bob Stutz, mm -mm. Salesforce's uh, chief analytics officer. Oh, wait, he's two titles. He's got two jobs. He's their chief analytics officer, the CAO, Cal, Cacao. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, their, he's the CEO of Marketing Cloud. But he said, today's announcement strengthens Salesforce's ability to empower brands worldwide to deliver, to deliver smarter, more personalized, and connected customer experiences. Now, I can translate that for you, which is it'll, it's going to allow you to spy more and know even more super private stuff about the people you're trying to sell crap to. You know, I started in the Salesforce world, like CRM wasn't near as freaking creepy as it is now. Now it's, we're applying the, all this, the best artificial intelligence in the world to know things about of people we're trying to sell to that they don't even know about themselves. Not only do we know what they do and what they don't do, we know what they're thinking about doing. We know what they should have done. You know, we, it's, and that's, that's what this stuff is. Interestingly, they had only ever raised $50 million. And I heard that they had only spent $20 million of that. Really? Yes. Huh. Very prudent of them. They were generating, this is rumor, but they were, and they were generating $100 million in annual recurring revenue. And, and again, this is rumor, but I think it's probably true. I think Salesforce paid at least $850 million for them. I was kind of surprised by, the, by them being able to make an acquisition. I figured the last one was the biggest one, and that was all they are going to get for a while. No, oh, just add it to um, Goodwill, John. <laughs> just Pay them in stock and add it to Goodwill. It's like me buying a big it's mansion. It's all funny money. And it's then deciding, you know what? I need a fancy new car to go with my big mansion. Now, MuleSoft was not willing to accept as much funny money. So Salesforce actually had to go and raise money. They had to go borrow money. They have a note now, a loan to pay off, so they mm. could pay, so they could buy. Yeah, it's, it, you wonder, like, I mean, should Salesforce, should they still be buying? I mean, shouldn't they be work on, like, being a, well, a yeah, profitable company at they, some point? Like, they they got to focus on growth. Yeah, it's like, it's like if there's you, no growth, then you have to have profit. If there's no profit, then you have to have growth. Yeah, yeah. You can't let that facade down, that facade that, oh, we're this, we're this, you know, growth mode tech company, even though we're 20 years old now. We're growth mode tech company. And if age it, is just a number, Jeremy. I know, that's true. It's, you're, you're as old as you feel. Exactly Salesforce feels like a startup. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> um, I also saw this is in a separate, I actually found this on Twitter randomly. Uh, just some, some journalist woman, because uh, I found her article, but which I've lost since then. I'll try to find it again. But she, she pointed out this same, the Bob Stutz guy, the guy with two jobs, the cacao job, and the other one, CEO of Marketing Cloud. He, uh, he was uh, interviewed, and one of the things he was saying was, they were asking him about, I wish I could find the damn article, but um, about a CDP. Let me... Yeah, I've lost it. And he said, you know, he was like, well, we, we had a, we have a C, which is a customer data, a customer data platform. Yeah, that's what it is. So these marketing, I guess it's a certain type of marketing system. Hmm. And I think Adobe's is kind of a CDP. But Salesforce, they don't really have anything that's like. Is it content delivery? No, no, it's customer data, a customer data platform. Huh. So it's, it's nowadays, right? The way that marketing works when you're tracking everyone and you know where they've bought, where they've gone, all that stuff. That all, like, you can basically build a customer data platform out of that. It's, it's that kind of data, I think. All this digital 
electron, this the digital customer and behavior and journey, all that crap. Okay. And Salesforce doesn't really have something that's like clearly, oh yeah, that's a CDP. I mean, they've got, you know, there's Marketing Cloud and there's Pardot and all this other stuff, but none of those are really like a, I guess what you would consider a pure CDP. And Bob, this is, again, this is like a month ago. And Bob Stutz says, yeah, we have all the pieces of a CDP, but really, you know, what is that? And he said, it's a passing fad or really more of a temporary status. People are looking beyond a DMP, which is a, I believe, a digital marketing platform. Uh, the connection to a CRM, which is a customer relationship management, or it's, uh, uh, what is it, Car- cardio something management, uh, and, and, and evolving to mobile. It's what people are doing already. Which is which is funny because and then he talks about how it's just another three letter acronym is kind of because then they go out and buy and because what is uh, what is uh, what are they called? Shit, I forgot. What Data is Datarama? Rama? They're a CDP. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that. One month later, eight hundred fifty million dollars for a CDP. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then uh, so, <laughs> I always try to read comments too. You know, so many of these things like. You know, it's, it's funny, like Business Insider and uh, what's the one we always make fun of? Uh, the pit lips oh, on the um, pig's lips or whatever. Um, it. Forbes. Forbes, yeah. You know, none of these things generate <laughs> any comments. Like, I swear, I'm surprised they have any, I'm surprised even anyone views these articles. No one, they, they, don't, they have no engagement on their articles. Oh, they do. They just delete them all. <laughs> exactly, because they're like <laughs> negative. Like, man, this article is bullshit. And they're like, delete. Uh, yeah, nice research, you know. Do you just regurgitate the press release? <laughs> those are all those are all my comments though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should put that to the test. Uh, yeah. Delete screenshot or I'm sorry, comment screenshot and wait for the delete. Yeah. Or they put you in what's the what's the um thing called where it looks to you like your comments are all there and you're participating, but it, but you're they're actually being deleted. But they're all, but they're showing you the oh. non delete like you know, it's, yeah. got, it's got it's got some term to it, like a dummy a dummy filter a, or a, something, some kind of filter. Troll filter. Yeah, something like that. But no, <clears throat> this is my favorite comment. It'd be really nice if they offered a product that wasn't as unpleasant as performing DIY testicular surgery with a soldering iron and a rusty hole punch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll speak well, to more. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> That's all I got. Unless you have comments on the CDP. Formerly known as, uh, it's, it's not. A, it's not a world I'm, I'm very interested in. Yeah, I mean, um, so it's a it's a world that is repugnant to me. Is what it is. Yeah, it's against it's against like my basic uh, ethics. Don't like it. Don't like it, John. I don't like it either. I liked it when Salesforce was just a really expensive version of Goldmine. That's what I liked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Oracle has a, a blockchain cloud service. Well, Salesforce is working on theirs. Are they really? Yeah, they're supposed to be doing some blockchain stuff, aren't they? I, I don't know. Yeah, it was. It, we, they talked about it at the Trailhead DX or something what like that. Say, because what, um, uh, what's his name? You know what? What do you think it'll be called? I'm, I'm going to guess Lightning Blockchain, probably. B- better than better than uh, the, the standard blockchain out there. It's better. It's Lightning. Lightning yeah. enabled. I mean, if it got to be uh, as I don't know, I'm, I'm sure it's a big buzz right now. But I'm, I'm sure if they if they found something to do with it, then they would wrap a cloud around it and announce it. And you're not into blockchain, right? It's like, doesn't interest you. I've tried. It doesn't, I mean, I could see some, some practical uses to it, but it's not, it doesn't excite me. It's yeah. not like I'm going to build a career on blockchain. I'm going to lost my ass on some Bitcoin. That's about it. Yeah. 
what else? Google pisses off developers. You see, they. Um, <laughs> I, I saw it through the, this. Somebody wrote up a, a post about how they their product they have it integrates Google Maps. Okay. And they're basically, I think they were kind of within the free tier, I guess, because you could have like I don't know something like nine hundred thousand renderings or whatever, whatever the metric is for whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're free. <clears throat> and they get this email from their Google Maps rep or whatever their service. And it's like, hey, yeah, uh, we just want to let you know that um, we've uh, we've restructured our service a little bit. And it you know, might affect how much you're paying or whatever. And it turned, and so the free tier went down. It, it was not decimated because that's not what people think it means. It was the free tier is like 10 times smaller than what it used to be. So now, like, they went to, like, they were almost 100% in the free tier. And now they're hardly a very small number of their usages are actually in the free tier. So they're almost, they're almost all in the fully, fully paying zone. And what they're paying was like, it would immediately put them out of business with the, the numbers that Google gave them for what they're going to have to pay. And so he, he did. So this. they were using Google maps that much that if they had to pay for it, their business couldn't survive it, for what Google was saying they were going to charge. Yes. And so he, well, did that's that. not a good business model. It's not a good business model. You know what's not a good business model? Is to put all your eggs in one vendor's basket, John. <laughs> True. Because what happens yep. when that vendor Starts sends you an email you and says, hey, guess what? Yep. We have a sticky service. And you know what we can do with a sticky service? We can charge you more and there's nothing you can do about it. But what this guy did was he went and did an analysis for like, with like a half a dozen other, like, I didn't realize there were so many. Hmm. Like it's just maps. They're not Google Maps, but you know, Yahoo's got one or Microsoft or I don't know. There's like three or four I didn't even recognize. And um, yeah, they've got good options. That's that are, good. That are like, you know, literally like a hundred times cheaper than what Google Maps is saying they're going to charge. But I mean, it, it's that kind of thing. Not, not that thing in specific, just that the fact that these vendors, and I'll, let's just pick on Google here. I mean, the fact that Google did that and is capable of doing that. And I don't know if they, I haven't read, this is like a week ago. I haven't read the follow-up. I don't know if they've backtracked off that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, that, that scares people. I mean, Google's out there trying to convince the developers of the world to, to put all their stuff on GCP. Well, this kind of scares me. If that's the way you're going to treat us, yeah, then I'm not sure I want to put anything on GCP. Kind of makes you afraid of a lot of platforms, doesn't it? It does. Well, it makes it. You should always think about. I mean, you what get sold to the idea of this platform. It's it's all managed and everything. All you have to do is yeah. write your stuff, yeah. focus on your business logic, and put it out there, and we handle the rest. Right, because you know what the cloud is, right? I mean, it's someone else's computer. So if you're going to put your stuff or depend on someone else's computer, then you should you should always think about like what happens if this person's computer goes away. What happens if this person wants to charge me 10 times more to, to rent this whole part of their computer. Yeah. I mean, it's your landlord. And you want to be, you know, I like to have the situation when my landlord wants to raise prices, I've, you know, okay. I've got somewhere else I can move if I need to. Yeah. So, oh, that should always be a consideration. The cloud, John. Let's see. The cloud is actually not a place. <laughs> Oh, that's good. The cloud is kind of BS. Uh, I, I think my favorite is this one. Did I die? No. Somehow you uploaded yourself to the cloud. <laughs> Still almost makes me spit my beer. 
well, let's do this community topics that we we're supposed to do yeah, at the start of the show that we didn't do. Yeah, so we've we've been collecting emails from people, right? Yeah, let's do them. I think I lost track of one of them. What? I've only got what two. Rolled into the trash can earlier, by the way. I think it was a pen. Pen or pencil fell down. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's do our our feedback or our infos. Infos. So we'll do this one because this one's probably one of our older ones, which I apologize for. We should set a rule that if we get community topics, it's the first thing we talk about. Either that or we just, you know, we don't forget to do them, I think is the problem. It's well, just, no, we just get long-winded and then we're like, oh, crap, Jeremy's got to go run. Yeah, right. <laughs> True. All right, let's do it. Uh, so this one, uh, we can use the name. This one's from Steven no, with no E. Um. It's just the way I like to say it. I know. <laughs> uh, he sent us a, a link, a, a, gosh, a month ago. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so he came across this article uh, about Steve Jobs. I guess there was some, some interview or something he did or some, something he did a while ago, a while ago that kind of didn't get a lot of attention, but then they unearthed it and re-released it and things like that. But in it, something, he has a few interesting things that he talks about, one of them being consultants. And since we're in the consulting world and we handle consultants, I thought it'd be good to uh, to see what Steve Jobs thinks of consultants. Uh, he actually had some some pretty good words of wisdom, not necessarily of things we should do, but just kind of of consulting in general, which is kind of some of my problems with consulting. Um, so I'm going to paraphrase. So I'm not going to read it, but he kind of talked about how, as a consultant, you come in, you give all these recommendations, and you you implement some solution or something, but then you're in and out. Uh, it's rare that you get to kind of see the fruits of your labor. It's rare that you get to kind of grow and learn from your mistakes or, or grow and learn from your successes in that environment because you usually come in, you're contracted for a short amount of time, and you're out. You don't get the luxury of coming in and seeing, oh, that decision I made impacted all these other things or, or the, the chain effect or the domino effect that can happen. <clears throat> yeah. Is that it? That's a question? <laughs> it's not a question. It's, it's a topic. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I I like engagements where I they're they're a little more long term, so that you know where we build like some first iteration of something. I mean, even it, I mean, I like the what's the um you know the lean startup model, the the MVP, like where you're you're going to launch something that's minimal, but you're you're going to keep iterating and been building it out and adding features and and you do see your mistakes, you see what you got right, yeah. what you got wrong, and. You know, you've got an engagement that's not just like maybe it takes you, let's say, six weeks to get an MVP out there. But I mean, this is a six-month deal. I mean, a six-month relationship where we're going to keep making this thing better over time. That's what I prefer. I mean, so, so you want one of my shower know. thoughts on that? You going to shower me <laughs> with something? No, one of my shower thoughts. Yeah. And you ever have a thought like you're in the shower and something pops in your head and you're yeah. like, yeah, kind of makes sense. Yeah, but I can't write it down in there, so I usually forget about it. But you keep a whiteboard in the shower. I could. Like with a grease pen. Actually, actually, just get a, a, a pen and you can write in the glass on your shower. If you've got That's glass true. in your shower. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so there you go. Just have a bunch of it's got beer. It's got beer in it, though. The glass in the shower? The glass in yeah, the shower? it usually has beer in it. No, I meant like a glass door. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> All right, what was your thought? Oh, I... <laughs> Because I, I was still kind of reeling on the whole Salesforce stuff and the the Lightning stuff that I'm having to deal with because I'm there's so many things that they're saying go do this go do this do this and you go do it and you find all these freaking limitations and you can't do it. Yep, everything you try. It's like, and I was like, you know what, Salesforce, it, it's they they it is an MVP to Salesforce, but they release it 
it's an MVP, and we find all these bugs, and they have to fix it, and they have to go through that cycle. Sometimes, I don't think I like MVP stuff. Sometimes things just stay MVPs. Well, I'm just saying. I, don't, I mean, like, you, you, you mentioned MVP like it was a good thing. I was like, you ever use, I, you ever I, use I, one of my shower thoughts was, I hate MVP stuff because that's knowledge? what Salesforce does to me. Have you used knowledge? Uh, knowledge. Yeah, Salesforce knowledge is that not what in a long on? time. And I feel like that was MVP'd, and then that just it never moved beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there was there was another um, there was another article that I read a, a while ago that talked about that too. How I, it was making the comparison of of MVP, how you can do MVP with software because you can you can patch, you can release, you can you can do all those kind of things, but you can't do MVP with or even agile in general with hardware. Because once you release that pro- that product, you can't update it. You can't modify it. So the user the is stuck. Way. Right, is stuck yeah. with that. So mm-hmm. from a user experience, from a you know product quality or whatever you want to call it perspective, you can't do it with hardware. Yeah. Well, that's their problem though. I built software, so I don't worry about other people's <laughs> problems. I'm just saying. I had a shower thought one day, and that was my that was my reaction. Was I don't like MVP because I get MVP'd all the time. <laughs> you get MVP'd on, <laughs> and it screws me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just, you know, take any of these things. Agile, MVP, what else do people, I mean, they get used and abused and misinterpreted, misimplemented. Oh, we're doing Agile. We're doing MVP. No, you're not. You're just like sloppy. You can I suck. Can I tangent you for one minute? Yeah. We'll, we'll try to time box it. Okay. Uh, Agile doesn't work when you're on seven projects, <clears throat> when everyone's trying to do Agile. Nothing works when you're on seven projects. Nothing I'm just works. saying. Okay, let's 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 narrow it down to three. Because now I have, I, I'm not going to use the term agile. We'll say agile like or or smells like agile. <laughs> um, when everyone wants to do a check-in meeting and scrum meetings, and then you have the actual meeting with the client, that's three meetings, and then you multiply that by three projects in a week. Well, I have no time to do work. No, you don't. And that's you're doing it. They're doing it all wrong. If that's if that's the way things are happening. I'm just saying, some yeah. projects are agile, so you have yeah. your scrums, and, or whatever you want to call them, your planning sessions, your stand-ups, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some, they're still on the normal check-in, weekly check-in, and then you still have, like, there's always at least one meeting with the client. So there's internal, and there's meeting with the client. So there's at least minimum two meetings, but average, there's three meetings a week per project. Yeah, and if you're, and I was just going to say before you kind of went into the detail there, if you're on three projects, and let's assume that you're splitting your time equally, you might get an hour and a half of good working on each project in a day. No, I wait till nighttime and work my butt off. I'm just saying. Just with the context switching and the communicating you've got to do, especially if it's... It's the only time I don't have any distractions. Yeah. I wait till my... I have to wait till the kids go to bed because otherwise I do get distracted, but... And then it's just burn it. And now you're... Because I know, I mean, your kids probably... It's, it's summer. Your kids probably don't go to bed before nine. So you're, you're talking about nine, ten to who yeah. knows, and you're tired. And yeah. I, I've just gotten to where like, I don't... I'm not even doing work at night. I don't do work at night because I'm, I'm just, that's not my best work. I try not to, but at, at the same time, it's the only time I get uninterrupted time during the day, phone calls, uh, Slack messages, uh, text messages, chat messages, chatter messages. Um, well, now Slack and some of these things are, I mean, they're designed to be asynchronous. You're not, you can put, you know, you need to be putting yourself in snooze and maybe check once every couple hours or something or whatever, come up with something that works. That's not all on one side or all on the other. I mean, if you're, if you're having to, keep Slack in your face, and every time someone messages, it's, you get the little dot or the little badge, then, yeah, that's, that's not yeah, a Slack, that's not Slack's not an issue for me. It's not? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm just saying, all, all these different ways of communicating and getting input and getting distracted, 
I mean, there are times I flip over to Slack and I start reading it and I realize, oh, I've been on Slack for 10 minutes. I should have been. Case in point, I'm waiting for Salesforce to finish my unit test or I'm waiting for Salesforce to finish my deployment or I'm waiting for my my damn chain set to get registered in the production so I can do something with it. So other I flip over to things like Slack and then before I know it, I'm like, oh crap, I got to check on that thing. You just remind me, I forgot to mention. The other thing that I was dealing with in addition to um, deleting these files, which I, you know, you can't do, is helping someone with some change sets. And the problem is, is these change sets where they, they're taking 24 to 48 hours to show up. Yeah. I've had that. It's like, how... And then, I mean, and then when it finally that, does that's an extreme there, case. I mean, on is it? I don't know. I, yeah. mean, I, I haven't done much Salesforce in the past three months. I come back and I can't even query files and this client is stuck over the limit and they can't do change sets. Hmm. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back <laughs> to what I was doing because this sucks. Well, well, 24 hours is extreme, but I have seen it take 20, 30 minutes on average. And also my, I've got, like I, today I was, um, had, they want, you know, this, the client wanted a, a, it was a simple a little trigger. I'm trying to run this test for it, and the, the you know, and what's weird is the Apex was compiling. You know what's funny? Even though like I don't like the Apex language, and I've got my nits and everything, when Salesforce is running fast, at least if it's not making you waste all your time, like it's not. You know, it's like hey, I mean, there's a lot of good things about Salesforce that I don't. There's things that when I develop on other platforms that aren't this, um, you know, bumper bowling software as a service that I have to do myself, and it's it's more work, and I've got to I got to worry about things that I don't have to worry about with Salesforce. So that's great. Mm-hmm. And when things are compiling fast and I'm able to, you know, create some triggers fast or this and that or whatever, like it's like, hey, this isn't so bad, you know, I can, I can, I can do this for a living. Then I go to run a test. And the test takes, it sits in the queue for like, I mean, like a minute before it even attempts to run it. Yeah. And of course, I'm, you know, trying to do, I don't do, I'm not a TDD guy, but I do try to test early and often. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like, I'm just not going to test because this is killing me. It's just like, it takes so long. Yeah, it does. Affect- I mean, it always reminds me of. Uh, I remember and this. This goes back over a decade, I think. I heard like a, maybe it's a video or a, an interview with David Hanemeyer Hansen, the guy that created Ruby on Rails, the thirty-seven signals and all that. And he was talking about how, and you know, like with a typical Ruby on Rails setup, you've got like guard uh, that's watching your files and automatically running tests based on what you save. It automatically runs certain tests. And he's like, by the time my eyes can m- move over to that grid of the screen, he's running like T Mux or something. Um, the test is, needs to be finished running. Literally, by the time my eyes move over there, I, it, it's finished running. That's how fast tests should be. And that's how fast they are. But not in our world. He's privileged. <laughs> <laughs> Just made a better career choice. <laughs> All right, so I'll finish this with, with a, well, not finish it, but on this topic, um, the anal- analogy that I, that I kind of liked, uh, he's, uh, Steve says, and at least his quote is saying, you never get three-dimensional. You might have a lot of pictures on your wall. You can say, look, I've worked in bananas. I've worked in peaches. I've worked in grapes. But you never really get to taste them. I think I missed something. <laughs> so going back to the analogy of consulting, yeah. like you could say, I can say that I've worked oh. in manufacturing. I can say that I've worked in financial sure. services. I can say I've worked in insurance, but I haven't lived it day to day. I haven't, I haven't made mistakes and had to recover from those mistakes. I haven't delved deep into that industry and just immersed myself in it. So, I mean, there are, I mean, you can pick a vertical, I guess, if you, I mean. The, True, but I mean, in typical consulting fashion, I mean, you, you're in and out. So you're in and out in a business and each business is somewhat unique. They, they work true. in the same business. There's a lot of same jargon and all that kind of stuff, but the way they operate, that's their value add. That's their, what, that's what they bring but to I market. Mean, you've done this consulting thing for a long time and there's been clients that you've worked for for months and years. Same client. 
Yeah, but the, the bigger they get and the more sophisticated they get, the less I know about them. Like one of my clients that I've been working with yeah. for five years. I, wait, 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 hang on. That's true, but that's always the case. That hasn't. That doesn't mean that you can't, you don't get a chance to learn from your mistakes and see something evolve. And well, Yeah, that much is true. Yeah. But having said that, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a cycle with that client where they've, they're, they're trying to do more internal. And so they're trying to do more internal and they're trying to do more with other things. And mm-hmm. so my role has kind of been scaled back right. in, immensely. But I still have to jump in every so often. And I'm starting to feel how out of touch with them that I am because I'm hearing these things and I'm like, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what this is. When did that happen? You know? Yeah. So I'm very much, very much out of touch with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, well, we'll move on to the next one because we don't have much time. Okay. Uh, this one's from, oh, this one's anonymous. Did not say we could use a name. Uh, so this one, I'll read it. It says, hey guys, enjoy your show. Early this morning, my dev 401 cert expired. And I've scheduled the platform dev one exam for September. Wondering if either of you have taken it. And if so, could you share any tips or thoughts <laughs> on prepping for the exam? Uh, I re- recently started the Prepare Your Salesforce Platform 1 credential trail mix on Trailhead. It's 62 hours. And the first hour or so has been pretty basic. Not certain if this is the best use of my time or not. Mm, doesn't sound like it. I have not taken it. Uh, I probably will be taking it because I'm required to. Um, which which but, exam man, is it? The platform one. Platform. The platform. The platform developer one credential. What what was that before they called it Platform Developer One? Uh, it's like the Dev Four One. Okay, but you had, your, you had your basic Dev Cert that everyone got because it all it meant is you know how to create an application in Salesforce, not actually code, right? Uh, and then you had like your platform, your Dev Two, I think, which is the one where you had to do the coding exercise and the essay. Oh, that was advanced, thing. right? That advanced, was advanced, yeah. right? Um, so this is more like that one, I guess. Yeah, so I think Platform One is still very much kind of build an application using Salesforce point and clicky. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's, an, there's another one right after that that's more develop coding spe- specific. That whole, yeah, the, the whole 60 hours thing doing a Trailhead, I'm not sure if that's, that, that's actually a Trailhead, if that's how Trailhead works, I'm, that's kind of disappointing. Well, Trailhead prioritizes you actually doing things. So you, you connect it with your org mm-hmm. and it gives you exercises to do and you do those and then it validates that you did them. And so that's why I people the people complaining about that all the time that like that doesn't work half the time and like there's all know. these bugs in it and maybe but it does concern me because i am required to take them and i'm like i am working my butt off and i gotta find i'm already sacrificing a bunch of personal time for to get all my project work done and now i gotta sacrifice a bunch of personal time to get my cert and maintain my cert because i have to do two a year yeah so <laughs> it, it eh, i was me. actually thinking about getting i think that one the platform developer i mean i just yeah. feel like i should get something else. i think i have the um what do i have it's like the developer one I don't even know what it's called now. I, I think it's my, called Platform mine, Builder or Builder or App Builder or something like yeah. that. Um, but no, I, I think I'd like to get the, like, the developers. Just for, I'd, for the hell of it, I guess. Just for the hell of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a partner. I'm not, I work for a partner or I just, whatever. I have other I, things I, I want to learn. I, I, I pride myself not being on a, not, as not being a Salesforce developer, but as being a developer, although I, I do nothing John, but Salesforce I, I development. I need badges. To, and certifications to help me feel better about myself. It's, it's an ego thing. Oh, okay. And, well, if it feeds the ego, yeah. <laughs> you know, go for it. I need my email signature to require scrolling to, so, to see all my badges. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. It's funny how, um, like, on these presentations, when you do these Salesforce and they give you the, 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 the template for your presentations yeah. that has all the pre-marketing stuff and it's got the spot for all your cert logos and everything, I'm like, delete. Yeah. <laughs> 
Probably that much real estate for badges. Come on. Yeah. Oh, the other funny thing is mine had, uh, they, they really wanted me to tie my topic to a trailhead topic. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think this ties to anything. And there's a few, there's a few presentations that were like, that were like, I don't know. I just stuck something on here. Why don't you guys make a trailhead topic that covers my talk? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough one. I don't we don't have any experience that, on that. That many hours on trailhead, that doesn't sound right to me. Um, unless unless you're kind of done at that point, like you've worked your way through it and you've, you're ready to take the test at that point. I think it's just an estimated, it's an estimation just like anything, but they, might, there's you, enough exercises in it. I think that they kind of do a multiplier, like this one should take you an hour, this one probably takes you two hours, this one probably takes you three hours. It's, it's probably a combination of reading through the workbook and doing the exercises, getting the validation, and that's a certain block of time and it just adds up. Yeah. I mean, these trail, I mean a lot of these trailheads, they're, they're a... They're a curriculum, and so you. By the time you're done with them, you've spent a week on that curriculum. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I'm old school. I actually like to just get the. I'll get the manual, the administrator, whatever it called. It's the Salesforce like administrator manual or whatever the hell it is. <clears throat> I remember the name for it. Admin guide or something. And I'll just go through every item, everything in there, and make sure I understand it. Oh, that's you know for the like if you're doing mm-hmm. like an admin or like a sales consultant exam or something like that. Yeah, I don't think you can do that anymore because I think they're tying more and more a trailhead with your maintenance exams and everything. Uh, yeah, so to take the exam, you're saying that you have to you have to do that through trailhead, but you can still, as far as like actually gaining the knowledge and just going through that body of knowledge. I mean, unless they've changed the way the manuals work, those are still pretty good to go through. And because if, if there's stuff in there you don't understand or you don't know, like just just read through it. But the trailhead thing makes sense. I mean, um, giving you exercises to do, I mean, that's kind of, that's, a, that's pretty good to be able to, as you go, just like test to make sure you understand something. Because a lot of times, I mean, I've taken tests where I'm like, oh, I thought I knew that. And it turns out like, I didn't know that at all. I thought I knew it, but I didn't. Yeah. And it's better to learn that in trailhead than it is when you're sitting for the exam. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've kind of, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I, uh... I'm not a fan of doing the certs because it's it's one more thing I have to do. It's more, it's a, it's another amount of personal time I have to give up that I would rather give up for something else. If I'm going to spend time learning something, I want to learn another language or I want to learn another framework or another pattern or another design pattern or, or some other new technique. I don't want to sit here and learn. A, yeah, a, I mean, what does it do for you? Thing. I mean, do you want people to like evaluate you based on your literally the, the, the amount of size that your badges take up on your email <laughs> signature? Is that how you? It just doesn't. It's not the way that any of those stuff should be working. That's why it kind of burns. It's like it does. Just, you know. It does kind of burn. Because a lot of a lot of the value I feel I provide isn't so much my pure knowledge of Salesforce, but my my ability to problem solve and think through solutions. And sometimes I learn something from another language that I bring into Salesforce and go, I can use that. I can do something with that. Um, and hell, if if I hadn't kept up with my JavaScript skills, I wouldn't be where I'm at with Lightning right now. <laughs> Lightning master. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a lightning master. Far from it. You know, I've heard, but still, I, I guess because Salesforce, you know, they they always. Uh, I think all vendors do, especially vendors that are still rising uh, and, and gaining more power in this power relationship. But they, you know, they continually like change the partner programs, what it takes to be at a certain level, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And as they're doing this, I'm hearing more and more of um, people who don't work for partners that say that partners have approached them and said, "Hey, will you assign your certifications to our account?" I mean, I wonder how much of that kind of crap happens. Yeah, I don't know. This you know, reminds me of my, uh, back in the good old days, my, my Six Sigma Master Black Belt instructor. He's like, and he had some phrase that his boss used 
By the way, RIP, Mr. Rabinek, he's no longer with us. Uh, but he, he said that his boss, it was something like, and this might have been a dimming thing or something, who knows. But it was like, tell me how you'll measure me and I'll tell you how I'll perform. Basically meaning, be careful on what, you're, what metrics that you're relying on, especially if it's just one thing, because people game it. You, uh, the systems, forget people, systems will optimize for things that, yeah. if you set them to optimize for something. And if you set partners to optimize for number of certifications, they're going to optimize for number of certifications yep. in ways that you might not want them to. And maybe it's breaking the rules, probably is, but, you know, be careful because you'll get, you'll get what you asked for. <laughs> a lot, you'll get a lot of certifications. <laughs> That's all Salesforce wants. They want the numbers. Well, because uh, well, for every certification, that means that someone paid for those exams. Do, do, you, right? think they, do you think they, they feel bad about throwing up a 5 million developer number out there, knowing full well there's not 5 million developers? They have no conscience. <laughs> they have no conscience. <laughs> and they, they just keep repeating that. Yeah. What was it? We were looking at something the other day. Crap. It was one of these, um, it's one of these surveys or something. No, I'll tell you what it was. It was um, when Microsoft bought um, GitHub. Okay. And there was an analysis of basically it was like revenue per developer on their platform, and so, which is an, I thought, oh, that's an interesting metric. I never thought of that. Like, what's GitHub's revenue per developer that uses their platform? What's Microsoft's? Hmm. And GitHub, you know, they had like I don't know, it's like some number of de- millions of numbers of developers, and like th- the number that Salesforce uses was bigger than that. <laughs> and and then I thought, well, gosh, and also like if you actually took Salesforce's actual number of like active developers what would their revenue per developer be probably pretty high it would be high it would be yeah they're diluting it because it's such a high number it's weird it's one of those metrics you want it to be a small number because it shows how many developers on your platform if it costs you know if it costs your customers like well i don't know and as i'm I'm not even sure what the point of that metric is but i mean yeah if it costs you know i don't know 20 million dollars in revenue if you have 20 million dollars in revenue per developer then what is that I don't actually. I don't know what that means. Well, but. for Salesforce, a small developer count would be good because that would show higher value, or that would be good for them. But for, but Salesforce yeah. in selling to customers, they want to make it seem like the market is flooded with with people. You Cheap can get, people. You can get them at a Fourth good price. Industrial you're not revolution, having to pay, baby. You're not having to pay we a premium are, for these people. No, we're just getting by. We're having to do trailheads just so we can move up from our <laughs> you know hairdressing job to an admin job. Maybe I want. I want to go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be a barista, at Starbucks. Yeah, it's like you know, what am I doing? I've, I've, you know, I've, I've busted my ass, like basically self-taught software engineering, computer science for mm-hmm. the past twenty years, and then, you know, you can go from uh, sweeping floors to having a, a more search than I do in like in the in a month, <laughs> and therefore you're worth more. You can make more money than me. Oh, what a, what a kind of schmuck am I? You just got to learn to play the game. It's the fourth industrial revolution. We're all going down. <laughs> can I say into that? Let's <laughs> you can. You should have, actually. <laughs> well, into that, I say good taste, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.